football after dark. A uh, big week eight, and I'm joined by two big co-pilots from We Are Penn State, Christian Hackenberg, and the pride of College Station in Norman, Oklahoma, going through a little bit this year. Trevor Knight, fellas, how we doing? Trevor? Doing well. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> it's another Saturday night. I'm with my boys. I'm ready to talk some ball. I got a little whiskey going. There you go. No, no place in the world I'd rather be than with you guys right now. Same. And that's same for you guys at home. If you're just ending a day, big win, tough loss, or a bye week, we're glad you're with us. Grab something to sip. Uh, the three of us are going to take you through the college football world in about an hour. And we hope you roll with us. College football after dark, field of 12, powered by Bet Rivers. You can find us on Sirius XM on the app. And um, we're going to start with a toast, our kind of um, ritual that we we start weeks off with, our favorite player, thing, or team. Uh, Trevor, dare I start with you first, sir? A guy that, that stood out to me today, um, maybe above everybody else, a team that has been somewhat up and down, although they have a 6-2 and two record, um, and this is the signal caller. For the LSU Tigers, Jaden Daniels went mm. 21 of 28 for 248 yards and two TDs in the air. Very efficient. And then he added 23 carries for another 121 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Huge win for Brian Kelly and mm-hmm. Tigers. 45 to 20 win over number seven Ole Miss. Jaden Daniels, cheers to you, my friend. Here, here. Christian Hackenberg, your boys are back in the winning column, but that may not be where we're going. Where are we headed? No, that is not where we're going. Um, for we'll, we'll touch on that. But um, where I'm heading, this is a little bit old, you know, kind of old news at the moment, uh, just because it was last week. But I'm going to Tennessee, so I don't know if y'all saw. They took the goalposts, they tore them down, walked them down the street, threw them, threw that sucker in the river. <laughs> Apparently. Some old boys at Sigma Chi fraternity went down there and pulled that sucker out hey. and started cutting that bitch up and selling it for a hundred bucks a piece out the back of the fraternity house and then kept a big <laughs> chunk of it for themselves. I, so I want to go to Sigma Chi and find this out myself personally down there in Knoxville. But, hey man, then boys went in there, went on a scuba Steve excursion, <laughs> pulled the goalpost out and said, yo, we're going to, we're going to benefit from this. So NIL is, is obviously going outside of uh, just the football team. So here's to Sigma Chi fraternity at the university of Tennessee. Sigma Chi. True entrepreneurs at Sigma Chi in Knoxville. I love it. Man, you guys, I, I love it. I'm going to take my toast. We're going to go down in the SEC, Jurassic Park, on a program we rarely talk about because they haven't had a whole lot of knockouts. But they are 5-2, and two, tough win, big win, and they're trying to get their program going on an eastern side of the conference that is like forever growing monsters. Coach Beamer and the Gamecocks gnarly win tonight against Texas A&M. But you got it done. Five and two this late in the season. Go ahead, coach. Good luck to you, sir. Fellas, we're off. First big game tonight. Watching the primetime game, Big Ten matchup. Minnesota and Penn State, the Nittany Lions taking care of business. Back to what we thought they would be. 45-17 over Minnesota. And a talented Minnesota team. Minnesota has been competitive with everybody. They've had some knockouts, uh, but we got to see the Penn State that we thought in a whiteout game at home. Hack, I'll start with you. What was your biggest impressions of uh, of your boys tonight? So I think my biggest impression is it kind of confirmed to me what I said about last week. And again, not to take anything away from Michigan, I don't think Penn State showed up in Ann Arbor. And I think that only uh, exasperated the the deficiencies that showed on the field um, that Michigan obviously took advantage of and kind of put a big, big stamp and exclamation point on it. So that, that was a good thing for me is seeing them get back on track shows that they, um, they got great veteran leadership, uh, which is everything that I expected. But 
Um, you know, I, I was excited to see them use and utilize that tight end room this week. Uh, this week, um, I think it's a very deep and talented room. I didn't really think that they used those weapons as efficiently as they could throughout the year up until this point. Um, I still think they have some things to clean up, but ultimately, you know, again, I think it was just a really good get back on track win against a good team, like you said, George. I mean, Minnesota. I had them win in the West this year in my preseason. They've obviously uh, not lived up to expectations from that side of it, but definitely a very talented team and a really good defense. And they were able to to to, to take advantage of some things and do it in a do it in a pretty efficient manner. So uh, excited about what they got coming down. Uh, I think Columbus. Yep, they got Ohio State next at home week. next week. So next week, Trevor, how much of today putting things back together? and we've all been there a knockout loss and then a really good win they only have a week to take this momentum and then go into columbus with it obviously they've been tracking ohio state and if any big 10 team in the last six or seven years penn state has the most wins against the buckeyes can this crew use this momentum to do something special in columbus or um or really what is their fate do you think coming out of this thing Looking ahead, you know, this this game specifically this week, I think you saw two teams that went opposite directions. You saw, like you mentioned, a Penn State team that responded after a bad loss and said, "Hey, we're going to pick ourselves up, we're going to dust ourselves off, and and we're going to get back to who we are." Minnesota, yeah, I know they've played Illinois, who should win the West, and and now Penn State back to back weeks, but I feel like their production has gone down. So. I think coming into this one, you know, they're, they're moving in opposite directions. We'll see how Minnesota finishes the year. But moving into the rest of this season, specifically going to Columbus, I think the person that you circle on that Penn State team is Sean Clifford because of the experience that he has. Yeah. When you have an experienced quarterback, you can go in and rally the troops and, and win against anybody. And we've seen that. Penn State has the ability – to go out and play football at a very high level. Take out the Michigan game. They can play at a very, very high level. And if if number 14, Mini Hack, is out there balling, I'm not going to say they have a chance to beat Ohio State, but they I'll put it this way. They have a chance to beat anybody. And uh, if he goes out there and plays well, is efficient, doesn't turn the ball over, I think it's going to be a, a pretty appetizing game to watch. Sean Clifford, 24-32 tonight, 300 yards. And Penn State also ran for 160 yards uh, on the ground. It looks like they're starting to put things back together. Hack, your expectations next week, just looking forward, not predicting well, anything. <clears throat> yeah, just looking forward. I think they got to be more efficient running the football on first down. Uh, early in this game, really the whole first half, they – they had a really hard time getting things going. A lot of second and nine, second and eight, second and ten, second and elevens. Um, that's tough. And I think we've we've touched on this in in past episodes about about Cliff. I mean, Cliff at the end of the day, for all the reasons that Trevor mentioned, uh, is a really good football player. But his best friend's a really good complimentary run game and kind of take the pressure off him and let him play free in that type of uh, environment and that type of scheme. I don't think he's necessarily a guy who's going to go toe to toe with a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young or you know name name one of the one of the premier quarterbacks in the country for for uh four quarters consistently. But um that's what I think I think they need to get the run game going. I think they need to include those tight ends again. I think there's some mismatch opportunities inside with Ohio State um that they could take advantage of schematically. Um and then I, I the defense needs to come out and uh eliminate the run game i think that the one thing that i've seen ohio state do this year more so than in past years is actually have a propensity and and they try to establish the run um whether it works or not you know today they kind of struggled against a really good iowa defense but throughout this year they haven't had a problem establishing the run game i think that's benefited cj um and 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 the rest of the offense uh from a passing game standpoint so they need to come in and shut down the run and i think penn state can actually match up in the secondary with Ohio state fairly well, Joey Porter, Jr. Um, Johnny Dixon, uh, Jair Brown and a Keaton Ellis, very veteran group. And I, I, I texted the group during the middle uh, when, when, when Joey Porter had that breakup uh, in the second quarter there, like the dude's an alien, man, he 
super long arms can pretty much like if 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 Jackson Smith and Jig was playing, I expect that matchup to be a fun one to watch. Yeah. Styles make fights. By the way, our producer Trevor Valise just notified me this fight is not in Columbus. It's yeah. in state college. And I hope it's a prime time one at that. Uh, Let me, can I ask Hack a question? Speaking of state college, they had the whiteout tonight. Mm-hmm. And it is even on TV, it's daunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. What give our fans, because I've never been to state college. It's a place that I certainly want to go visit, but you got everybody wearing white rocking and rolling in that stadium it's it's got to be a neat atmosphere and a tough place to play right yeah i mean i i I don't know i've only been the home team there but Mm -hmm. um so you got to ask a couple other guys but yeah i mean to me uh if you're a college football fan and you're talking premier venues and you want to go see something like you got to go see it for yourself you can't really put it in words but it should definitely be on your list and uh be very surprised if it wasn't even as a just Notre Dame fan, hell, go in there. I don't care. Anybody, yeah. you need to go experience it. It's 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 pretty cool. So um, I'll say this yeah. on the sideline. I think I've been to like four or five whiteouts when they're rolling. And usually, look, obviously, it's when the defense is going on a third down. You could have a person standing next to you, elbow length away. You'd have to yell to them for them to even hear you. And they're still not going to understand you. The noise is deafening. We we are going back and forth on the chat. I think the only place that rivals Penn State on a whiteout night is all those Cajuns and a, and a night game in LSU. It's vicious. Penn so State, I, huh? I was going to ask one more question based off of State College and Ohio State coming to town. If it was a night game. It's a big noon. Trevor just – it's Let a big noon game. If it was a night game, I think it's different. I think Ohio State, even though they're the road team, road team benefits that it's a that it's a big noon game as opposed yeah. to a night game, right? That's too 100%. bad. It I is. wish they'd move that. You would think that they would, George, but you know, why would hey, why would you not? We don't get paid the big bucks. We don't. But we certainly looking for a suggestion box. <laughs> big Ten, if you're looking. <laughs> We're looking for a suggestion box. Penn State wraps it up tonight, 45-17. Gophers fall to four and three. Penn State now moves on to six and one. The other big matchup, we had a couple of them. We had three more games this Saturday facing ranked-on-ranked battles. We'll go down to Jurassic Park. The Tide welcomed in Mississippi State, trying to come off that tough loss last week to a red-hot Tennessee team. Alabama, no problem, no drama. Bryce Young was back to his Heisman look. And uh, the Tide, really, it was buttoned up. You could tell what time of week of practice they had just by watching them finish plays, special teams, uh, penalties way down. Uh, You could really tell what type of week it was. Fellas, when you look at that, and again, I thought this game could be interesting because I went back and I watched that Tennessee tape. And Tennessee and Josh Heupel took their skill players all the way to the edge of the field, putting a tremendous strain on the safeties. Sometimes they devote safety. Sometimes they wouldn't leaving these corners on islands and they just attacked them. Well, Mississippi state does a lot of that too, with Mike Leach. The problem was today they couldn't protect like Tennessee was able to protect. And then their quarterback, um, what's our guy's name? Mississippi Will state. Rogers. Will Rogers. Yeah, he just could not stand in there, put his foot in the ground, and then take a shot while delivering a shot um, like Hendon Hooker. So the Tide go 30-6 to over Mississippi State. Trevor, will go with you first. Alabama, are we back now assured that they won't have any type of drama until they get to the SEC title game, if they can get to the SEC title game? How will they be in the rest of their – regular season schedule in your opinion yeah you know I think that Bryce Young is uh, like we've talked about all year the glue that holds that team together I mean they net I think they had 28 yards of rushing Kamir Gibbs had 37 and he was the lead rusher which that that concerns me that they're not having a little bit more balance on the offensive side of the ball now you've got the giant slayer you've got the, you know, we, we talk about him a ton, right? You put Bryce Young out there, he's going to do what he's going to do, and you can expect that week in and week out. But if you don't have balance on the offensive side, 
and some things go, uh, you know, kind of on the other side of that line, it could get interesting. And we've seen that happen multiple times this year. Texas, Texas A&M, and then obviously the loss at Tennessee, which was a shootout. But Texas and Texas A&M, they should blow those teams out. Those are not good football teams. Texas A&M's under 500 now. You know, Texas loses again today. Those should have been blown out, blowouts. So I like what I saw today out of Alabama. I thought their defense was much improved. You talked about the the, uh, the lower number of penalties. They played cleaner football. But in order to really skate through the rest of this schedule, I think they have to be more balanced on the offensive side. And I think Jameer Gibbs is a guy that can do that. Uh, we just haven't seen it be consistent week in and week out quite yet. Uh, Alabama hacked today only three penalties. They dropped it down from 17 last week, ran for two six or threw for 261, only ran for 29. Obviously, you could tell where Mississippi State decided to dedicate uh, their efforts defensively. What was your impression, Hack, when you're watching this ball club? And what are we continuing continuing to see out of uh, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner? Yeah, I mean, I think. We, we've we've touched on this, and I, and I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but I think that this Alabama team obviously isn't built the way that previous ones are, and I think that for the first time you can truly say that the responsibility and hopes and dreams of this season lies solely on Bryce Young's shoulders. Yeah. Um, I Trevor, like I think Jameer Gibbs is a great Batman. But or a Robin to to the Batman and and maybe not even a Robin, just kind of like one of those like one episode guy that pops in and helps out every <laughs> once in a while. You know, I I really think that that's kind of how O'Brien shows the way he calls the football game. I think that's the way that he sees it. I think that's the way Saban sees it. So they're gonna try to put Bryce in the most uh, advantageous situations possible, and obviously a run game helps with that. Didn't necessarily need it today. It is what it is. I think we're going to keep it moving. You know, for me, I think big picture, this Alabama team, George, I mean, it's kind of tough to say that they're just going to cruise. You know, I mean, you know, the SEC, every yep. week's different. Someone could be up, someone could be down. They still have Ole Miss, right? Or do they, do they already? Still have Ole Miss and they have Miss. LSU. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so you're talking one team that's really hot, one team that's been doing it funky, like you said, in the old Miss guys. They got they got got today, but it is what it is. You know, Kiffin's going to come out, and he's got got a history with with Saban, obviously. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I, I, I um, I, 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 everything that I expected happened today in terms of Alabama bouncing back from from a tough one, and um, you know, offensively. I think they are what they are, and they've showed that throughout the year. They're they're gonna they're gonna come every day, and they're gonna say, "Here's number nine, and uh, you got to go beat him." Uh, a quick note for those of you guys that watched the game and you got a chance to hear a lot of the the commentary. Bryce Young basically has done little to no throwing during the week of practice. They are rehabbing him. He's on the field. He is running through plays, but he doesn't make the throws. The number two will make the throws, or if he does, there are only a handful of them. They're just keeping him on a pitch count so they could get him to Saturday where he's delivering. They did that for Tennessee last week. They did it this week with Mississippi State. I just think it's so smart and real conscious of the coaching staff and the leadership because not all programs take that approach. They just don't. Uh, the smart ones obviously do. So Alabama, 30-6. to six. The Roman army to be interesting to see what happens to them um, as long as they can hang in that six, seven range, but they're going to have to continue to take care of business in the West. If they want to get a shot at getting into their own dance game day today, fellas was out West Oregon, UCLA. And when's the last time the PAC 12 had a top 10 matchup this late in the season. Uh, it was Oregon coming out on top big in this one 45 30 and it wasn't even that close ucla was game on the back half a little bit there in the fourth quarter got some late uh you know touchdowns tagged in there but oregon and led by bo Nix goes for 545 yards uh and they ran for 260 and again we keep talking about how these pac 12 games have been done on the ground and physical 
UCLA has been the culprit of most of that. And today it got done to them. Oregon goes up 45, 30. Hack, your impression of Dan Lanning's job since getting dismantled week one to battle all the way back. Now they're back to where they started. They started the season at 10. They're back to 10, six and one, knocking out a talented, tough UCLA team. Yeah, I think it's really impressive. Um, I mean, they they held that that UC that uh, UCLA team to 13 points in the first half uh, to their 31. Um, that offense has been hot. I I, I kind of I expected that from Dan. I thought he was going to settle everything down, keep it going. And what's funny is I think you've seen since that game kind of a, a, a Georgia team that like started here and then kind of was like this, and now have just been kind of flatlining. And then, you know an Oregon team that I don't even know if the sellers really where they started after that ass whooping, but they've, they've started building in the complete opposite direction to me from the Georgia team. So from my, from my perspective, I'm really impressed with Dan. I um, think they've positioned themselves uh, well in the PAC 12 to, to, to make some noise. And I don't really know why anyone's saying that the PAC 12 is dead. I, I, I think that if Oregon wins everything outright, you know, when you get your, yeah, you got your teeth kicked in by Georgia week one, but from that point on, you're kind of unblemished, right? And it's a it's an SEC team. I think you can kind of nod your head at that, right? What do you think, Trev? Yeah, well, here I'm going to ask another question. I think you're right. I think there is a chance for an, an Oregon team that runs the table and wins the Pac-12 title. But you can also ask this question. If USC runs the table – and wins the Pac-12 title, and their only loss is a shootout, one-point loss to a good Utah team, do they have a shot to get in? And I think it's still dependent on what the committee says and how many they're going to let in from the two big-time conferences. Yeah, you know? to me it's also dependent on if, if Clemson continues to handle business in the ACC, right? There, there's no doubt. There's no doubt, which I think we'll get to that here in a minute of <laughs> – it's a little shaky over there, in my opinion. Maybe everybody else, maybe not. Wins a wins a win. I don't know. I I think if, if you were, if you were to say, hey, does the Pac-12 have a shot? My my stupid answer would probably be no, right? Because I I don't think they do. Um, but when you really drill down into the details and you start thinking about this, okay, Oregon goes out there and gets absolutely destroyed week one against Georgia. All right, defending national champions. New quarterback, a lot of questions, but you have to give two people, well, a lot of people, but two people specifically a ton of credit. And that's Dan Lanning, which you guys just talked about, and Bo Nix, a guy that transfers from a a school in the Southeast, completely different culture up there in Oregon, gets his teeth kicked in. It's like, oh, no, I made a huge mistake. But whether it's Dan Lanning speaking to him him as an individual competitor or just the culture that, that Dan Lanning has developed there, they said, hey, boys, we got our teeth kicked in. Let's lick our wounds. Let's turn it around. And they've played really consistent football and had some big wins since then. And Bo Nix specifically, I think, has played really efficient football. And, and we saw that tonight again. Um, I think he's in a really good spot. And who knows? They keep winning like this. You know, first game of the season, let's put it behind us. If they have, you know, finished the year out the way that they could, I think they could be in the conversation. Conversation. Bo Nix was 22 out of 28 tonight, 283 and five touchdowns. Handling business in the rain, gets his ducks rolling. Honestly, it'd be fascinating to see what an Oregon-Georgia matchup next week would look like. That Oregon team just basically all met. Can you imagine having a team meeting, getting a couple good weeks of practice in, and then you go face the Roman army that's already been rolling, welded together, championship medal. And yeah, you make the trip down here to come see us. Uh, But Oregon didn't have to worry about that to this point. They knock out UCLA today, 45 to 30. Again, if you're just joining us, field of 12 after dark, it's Trevor Knight, Christian Hackenberg, George Whitfield, with Trevor Valise and Dagan Hughes producing. Dagan's probably watching the playoff game. And Trevor's probably looking up stuff on Illinois, but we're here with you. If you've got fan questions, we would love to see him, love to hear him. You can reach us on any of the apps, Field of 12, 
on any of the apps. Fellas, the drama today was in the ACC. Real drama. Clemson hosting an undefeated Syracuse team, or undefeated Syracuse, sorry, welcomed in an undefeated Clemson team. Uh, This had all the makings of a trap game. Clemson comes down with Dino Babers. These guys get up for these games. They beat uh, Lamar Jackson years back. They go after uh, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Like, they never flinch. And it looked like that today. They were up by a substantial amount, 21-10 at one point. Clemson overtakes it. But, fellas, not without drama. They make a quarterback change in a healthy scenario. Performance-based quarterback change. Freshman Kate Klubnick goes in to replace DJ Ungalale. And they survive it. Dabo has his Saban National Championship moment. Clemson, 27-21. Trevor Knight, do you have faith in these Tigers still? I have faith in them, and here's why. They have a big, fat zero in the loss column. Mm. And that's something to, to hang your hat on. That being said, outside of their record. I am very nervous about that Clemson team. Now, this was their Super Bowl. They don't have anybody else on the schedule that, that's ranked at this well, Trev, point. They, Trev, Trev, let's also throw this in there too, brother. They have a zero, but they also have historical data and and and, and a little bit of a track record that people have. Because I think you can make the argument that a Clemson team with a or, – or a, uh, Wake Forest. Let's say Wake Forest ran the table in the ACC right now. Would we even be talking about Wake Forest possibly no. being a college football yeah, playoff that's team? That's a good point. The, the The problem here is, and and I'm I'm navigating this towards the playoff, right? Because that's that's obviously the end goal. How do you not put them in if they've got that big fat zero, right? That being said, this was their Super Bowl, and their their guy, their quarterback. Dabo Sweeney even said it after the game, hey, great job, Cade, coming in. But DJ is our guy. DJ is our guy. DJ is our guy. Well, your guy in your biggest game, which high insight across the rest of the country, you know, Syracuse isn't competing with a lot of the big dogs. But that's your that's your big game, and your starting quarterback can't even come out and show up for that. That worries me big time. Well, let's just let me tighten hey, buddy, a couple buddy. things up. But he did Hack. show up against – go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, George. Go ahead, Hack. Go ahead. Go ahead. He I was going to say, but he did show up against the Wake Forest team. He did – like, he showed up this week, this year. You know, I, I, I – listen, Trev, I'm tracking with you, bro. Like, I'm not coming at you. But I think I think to say that the biggest game of the year, like, I don't think they were necessarily circling Syracuse to start the season. They weren't. But is that not their biggest game, you know, from now until the rest of the year, right? Uh, yes, at Notre uh, Dame. Yeah, yeah. You mean – Finish Louisville. They yeah. don't have a team with yeah. a winning record True. until True. South Carolina. Yes. yes. Yeah. Not their yes. suit. That's not who they circled preseason, but that was their Super Bowl with the remainder of the year. Right. Gotcha. They don't have, they, yeah, yeah. they should go unblemished if they I play misunderstood you. Yeah. I got you. Yep. So, fellas, just to go back, Trevor keeps reiterating that zero outside of the SEC in the Big Ten. This is the lone remaining undefeated team in college football. The Clemson Tigers, who are now 8-0, and uh, they have Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, none of them with winning records. And then they'll host South Carolina, which should be a good game, could be, you know, one that they really have to bow up for. But, fellas, they made a quarterback change, and we've been talking about this last year, Then we, you know, we all just trust that, anybody who's been challenged will do the work in the off season and come back. So he's had some good outings. I'll give you that hack. He's had some good outings, but if you go back and look at their wins, 35, 12 over Furman, Louisiana tech, 48, 20. These are not your typical Clemson outings. Uh, They beat Florida state by six last week. They beat Syracuse by six this week. They are touchable. You can put hands on Clemson, uh, but we have um, one of our our uh, watchers, our, our viewers, uh, Dustin Knoll in Orange County, California. What's up, Dustin? Uh, he wanted me to ask you guys, 
do you see DJU transferring, regardless of what Dabo's saying? And Trevor Knight, he added, would he look good in an A&M uniform next year? Interesting thought there. Interesting thought. I think I think with what Dabo said after the game that he's his guy, we're not going to see Cade Klubnick start this next game. Well, how do you even read that? Do you just read that as, I'm just going to put this fire out tonight so we can just get home? Or yeah. does he really believe that? Well, it, it, that's a great point, George. I think that could be a a, a marketing plea because he – Dabo's a smart guy. He knows yeah. all his guys are going to be on Twitter. DJ, you know, hey, I had a tough night. I'm going to go see what everybody's saying good and bad and all the, you know, everybody does that to some extent. And for his head coach to come out and say that at the end of the game, that, that video is going to be plastered everywhere. That's his head coach showing confidence in him so that, hey, Cade comes out here in practice and he's not the guy and we need DJ. He's, I still got confidence in him. Or maybe that's a, hey, I need to keep this guy around for depth. And this is me starting to say, hey, look, we're going to start Cade this week, but we need you, we need you. So he doesn't pull the trigger and bounce elsewhere. I don't know. I don't know what the motive was behind it. But to answer your question, George, at this point, I think the verdict is still out. If Cade Klubnik comes in and lights it up and DJ sees the writing on the wall, I think we very well could see him play elsewhere because he is a good player. And, Hack, to your point, he's played good football a lot of times this year. Um, and AM, probably the best place in the country to uh, put your name in the hat to go and, and play the quarterback right now with the uh, lack of consistency down in College Station right now. Hack, how you see it? Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of see it. Similar. I, I don't necessarily know if it's – I think Dabo is – I don't think he's going to be encrypt. He's not going to, like, try to hide his true feelings of the situation, if that makes sense. Like, I, I think he's a, a pretty straight shooter, and I think he's proven that over his career up until this point. So I really do think what he said he meant. Um, to your point, though, Trev, I mean <sighs> – if K does come in and play well, it could be a completely different situation. What I what I think is, is after this week, George, uh, if you remember last year, remember when we were talking about how he had this like almost beta personality after yes. he got not almost we just like yeah, I mean he did yeah. like it was it was crazy. Um, I think this week and how he responds is going to be a big tell of his maturity, and ultimately, I think. Um, the direction that the team will go moving forward uh, at that position um, based upon that. I think this week is going to be the the big judgment. And I think it has a lot to do with how he's going to approach it when he walks in that building on Monday, how he watches film, how he carries himself uh, on the practice field. Um, Cause all those things matter. And we all know that we've all been there. And I think that's going to be a big thing. And, and then ultimately how he plays next week. I think it's going to be – this is the fascinating um, psychology I think most people miss. When those doors open to that building, whether they come in tomorrow or Monday, how does DJ carry himself? I think it doesn't really matter how Cade carries himself. I mean, with all respect. He's, he's, he's got nothing to lose. Wide-eyed, nothing to lose. How does DJ carry himself? Um, and then what does Coach do? How do you set the ones? Is it DJ back to the first huddle and Cade back to the two? Is there any type of split or rotation? Um, And then they did win. They did win. And yeah, there's a point to be made that Cade didn't make a ton of big plays. That touchdown pass was big, but he also didn't hurt them. He was mindful with the football, safe with the football. Sometimes just mitigating damage is a win. But so, here's the thing, though, George. Like you said, though, Clemson can get there. Someone can put hands on Clemson at that position. Right. You don't need a guy who who just gets you by. Like it's not the Clemson teams of past where you had two All Americans behind you, three All Americans outside, two All Americans up front, right. and you know what I'm saying. Like you need yeah. a guy who can drive the ship. And to me, like I said, DJ may not be big marquee games this year, but it's been their bigger marquee games up until this week he's come out and gone toe-to-toe and been pretty much, in my eyes, the reason that they won the game. I agree. So, um, 
Here's an interesting thought as well. You know, I, I and, and I'll, I'll point the finger at myself. I've been saying, hey, it's a Syracuse game. It's their last ranked game, so they should skate through the rest of the season. That being said, yes, nobody is ranked on the remainder of their season. But three of the four have winning records, and some of them are big logos. They go to Notre Dame next week, who has a 4-3 and yeah. three record. Mm. They host Louisville, 4-3 and three record. And Louisville's sneaky, Mi- too. Mi- yeah, they host Miami, who's at 3-4 and four right now. Very well could have a winning record by the time they play them. And then they play South Carolina, who's got a little juice right now, five and two. Yep. So it's not a cakewalk, certainly not to the level of some other teams that we typically discuss in some different conferences. But DJ is going to have his work cut out for him. It's not going to be like, oh, step in here. I can look decent. He's going to get out there and he's going to have to play really well. Or else, like we saw tonight, if he doesn't pick it up, if he doesn't respond like we're talking about, they will put Kate in there and give Kate an opportunity to uh, to shine and potentially take it over, and that's when we'd have the the transfer talk. In my opinion, yeah. that's going to be wild. I know every program, especially coming down this back stretch, they just want a nice, quiet inner building because the outside is going to have all the noise. None of the other top teams have this type of noise about them. Ohio State doesn't question its leadership. Michigan's not wondering questions about its leadership. Bama, Georgia, but Clemson now does. And it's going to be fascinating to see how fast can they sure that up and quiet it down inside. It's noisy inside. But regardless, the Tigers do come back. Big comeback win. Defense, special teams, and the backfield 27-21 over Syracuse. Led the comeback by Cade Klubnik, uh, freshman quarterback in there, replacing DJ Ungalalele. The other big matchup, fellas, if we're going to stay in the Big 12 or move over to the Big 12, I should say, was uh, Oklahoma State. Well, no, we'll go Kansas State first. Kansas State um, had a big win tonight over TCU. Uh, Fascinating. Oh, sorry. TCU had a big win tonight over Kansas State. Uh, Adrian Martinez only played one series. Um, But that was it. Uh, Due to an injury, the injury is undisclosed. Trevor Knight, K-State, TCU, what was your biggest impression from these two? Yeah, you know, give credit where credit is due. And that's been a theme of my year this year. Um, TCU found a way to win. Um, they're at home. They host a really good Kansas State team. It's a it's top 20 matchup. I thought Max Duggan played efficiently throughout the night, and, and, and they get a 10-point win. That being said, they were not playing good up until the second half. They were down 28-10 to 10 at one point, down 18 points. They go into the half. They get, they get a score with 20 seconds left. Um, to to go down 11 at the half. And then they come back and Adrian Martinez gets hurt. They throw a couple horrible interceptions, talking about Kansas State. And uh, and, and it really – it was a tale of two halves. Kansas State really didn't have a shot in the second half. They looked like they were rolling a couple times with Deuce Vaughn in the first half. They got up early, and then the, just the wheels fell off. So – Credit to TCU for weathering the storm and getting a big win. I thought it could have been a different outcome if uh, if misfortune didn't go uh, and fall on the side of Kansas State. But the TCU Horn Frogs are unblemished at this point. Sonny Dykes, year one. It's an impressive coaching job with him and Garrett Riley, the brother of Lincoln Riley, calling the plays. Um, it's it's a neat little uh, neat little storyline there down in Fort Worth. And I take that back, Hack. I said Clemson was the only non-SEC, non-Big Ten team to be undefeated. Obviously, TCU. I don't want Fort Worth coming after me. TCU up 38-28. Hack, how much noise can this crew make, and how impressed are you with Max Duggan? And, again, the backstory there at TCU, he lost the quarterback battle coming out of the gate. He got it back, what was it, week two, thereabouts? Week Mm -hmm. one or week two, he gets it back and takes off. He got just as much, you know, uh, 
realignment or, or recalibrated as he needed to when he got put yeah. at two. We all get sobered up in a situation like that. Never looks back. TCU now 7-0. and Your impressions, Hack, of this team and their quarterback. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Max Duggan. Um, always kind of liked his game. Just thought he was missing a little something. And to be honest with you, George, maybe it was that recalibration. Come here, son, sit down on this bench for a little bit, see what this tastes like. And now um, the ability for him to come out there and 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 grab the, the second opportunity and, to your point, never look back, take the reins and, and, and drive that thing to its full capability has been impressive. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I've been a big – just not – on the on the side channel with Trevor and this group, I, I'm not a big Big Twelve guy. I, I just never really have been. Um, I think the the conference obviously has some of the bigger logos that are down this year. They're leaving. There's a lot of just a lot of unnecessary noise. I think in a conference that traditionally does have great history and it does have good football, um, and, and and kind of lives in that Texas area, pulls a lot of the great talent out of that state and disperses it well. And, you know, I, I just, I've been down on it. I don't know. This team has been impressive. Um, you know, I, I have said this, I've been an Oklahoma state guy from the jump, um, you know, big win tonight, which we'll touch on uh, for them. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're positioning themselves and ultimately at the end of the day, man, you go out and you win, you're going to gain everyone's respect and they're going to gain my respect. If they keep winning. So I, I, I've been, I've been, you know, impressed up to this point, but got to, got to, Got to see it through, my boy. Let me Trevor. ask you guys this quick scenario. Mm-hmm. One loss Pac-12 champ. Undefeated Big 12 champ. Undefeated ACC champ. But the one loss Pac-12 champ is Oregon, who lost to Georgia week one. And there's only one spot left to get in. And what's the ACC champ looking like? It's the undefeated Clemson. Uh, undefeated Cle- Clemson. Undefeated TCU and one loss. That scenario doesn't have still has to who still has to play Utah, by the way. But that scenario wouldn't have any drama unless Clemson had a loss. Clemson has a loss, now you got drama. It doesn't matter if they back into this thing, if they're undefeated, just like Hack was saying earlier, that brand undefeated, and it doesn't matter how they did the math, they're in. They're in. Because they've been in the second most amount of times, I think, behind Alabama. They've so been the there, done that. Respect them. Got it done. Yep. That's my right. eyes on it. This year, it's by hook and crook. It used to be towards the place. Now they're yeah. in here trying to pick locks and, you know, crack open little registers. But they used to be knocking out whole casino banks. It's, it just a, it's just a different way of getting it done. Um, but a one-loss Clemson – and a one-loss Pac-12 team, Oregon, that lost to Georgia. And this TCU team, now that'd be some drama. Hack, how would you say that? That three-horse race and only TCU's the undefeated one. Well, I agree with you. I think you automatically wipe Clemson off the board just because of the depth of the ACC. So it's really between TCU and Oregon. You know, to me, I think it's how – how dominantly Oregon finishes the season, right? I mean, if they come out and keep doing what they've been doing, playing really efficient ball, winning by two, three scores, I'd probably lean towards Oregon um, mm. personally. Um, but to your to to the point that we said though, that zero, you know, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like TCU is kind of like a like a phoenix trying to rise out of the ashes. A really good program historically, but just kind of had some. Had some bumps in the roads as of late. Gary Patterson leaves, um, and you know, trying to trying to reestablish that. Trevor, Oregon has Cal. They go at Cal at Colorado. Whatever. Host Washington. At Utah, host Oregon State. That's their last five ball games for Oregon. You, t- I mean, and now look, you never know. Pac-12 coming down the back stretch. Washington's formidable. Utah's still a biker gang, currently ranked 15th. And Oregon State was out here throwing knuckleballs all through September. They were undefeated in the month of September. But you make a point. Their only loss was to number one Georgia. As soon as the season opened up, 
They opened the saloon doors, got knocked right out, and now they've come back and bounced back nicely. You make a point now, and I just want you just to walk through it. We have a loss, but it's to the White Walkers. These guys are undefeated. Basically, what Hack was saying is marginally the worst of the the Power Five conferences, but that guy's undefeated, but his neighborhood's nowhere near as vicious as mine. How would you weigh it out if you're the committee? It's tough, man. It's tough. I'll, I'll say this, and this is my scapegoat. I think we have enough. We talked about Clemson. They still have a couple, a couple of games that they could lose on their schedule. TCU surely does. You know, they're riding the Cinderella year. And then Oregon, to me, if they keep playing with the consistency that, that consistency that they have been, obviously it's the Utah game. They get through Utah, and and let me just correct myself here or ask a question. Uh, they're not doing a Pac-12 title game this year. Is that correct? I have no idea. I, oh, I, no. If they are, I, I think they're doing away with divisions. Okay. They, I, they might be done with, with north-south. Top, Top two, two teams, teams go. Okay, that's what it was. That's what it was. So they will probably – I mean, that's two huge games then. All right? So that's probably at this point they play Utah and then they're probably playing USC. Right? Mm-hmm. We'll see. Well, because USC and Utah, regardless, regardless, I'm stuck. I'm about to throw you guys for a loop here. If Utah Uh-oh. goes unscathed the rest of the year, beats Utah, uh, excuse me, if Oregon goes unscathed the rest of the year, they beat Utah, and then they either beat Utah again or or they beat U, uh, USC, whoever they go up against in the Pac-12 title game. Do they now have the resume to get in over whoever finishes second in the Big Ten East or the SEC East or or Alabama, right? Is there enough spots to where Oregon can get in, period, over an undefeated ACC champ, an undefeated Big 12 champ, or to our scenario before – the best four teams, which team. all goes into conferences. And, and I didn't mean to say undefeated Big 12 or ACC. Those those have one loss. Let's say TCU dr- drops one and Clemson drops one. They're still so their conference all champ. Teams. Yeah. All one-loss teams going up against each other. Does Oregon's resume get them in over a, a, a one-loss Big Ten East or SEC team? Their loss looks as good as anybody else's because they lost early into the number, well, presumably number one team most of the year. Michigan and Ohio State, the way they're going, they're going to turn around and lose to a top four team. And they've got some good knockouts. Alabama lost to whatever Tennessee is right now, third, fourth. Uh I, you're almost comparing losses at that well, point. Knockouts I mean, here, are all relative. Here's the thing, though. The one thing that we can throw out the window, there's going to be two SEC teams. I agree. There's going I agree. To and then there's going to be a Big Ten team. What's between... the only way there could there would be one SEC team? That the SEC West team wins it with two losses? Like, if Alabama should fall one more time, only Alabama would get the second option to go in. So or Georgia. To, to me, what would have to happen is is Tennessee would have to beat Georgia. Tennessee would then have to beat Alabama again in the SEC championship game, hand Alabama two losses. And then the only argument is going to be, can Georgia come in with one loss? Right. So there I, isn't – Or Georgia nope. or Georgia gets snuck by – because I think Georgia still plays Kentucky, right? They get snuck by Kentucky and then they lose to Tennessee and then Tennessee or whatever. And then Tennessee represents the East and Georgia somehow has two losses. Guys, I think there's a scenario where one SEC team and one big team, 10 team gets in. And it would be, it would piss me off so much because I don't think it's deserved. But let's say Ohio State runs through the Big Ten, undefeated Big Ten champs. Let's say Tennessee or Georgia runs through the SEC, beats Alabama on the west side, wins the SEC. Okay? Two champs undefeated. 
So Let's Alabama, say, hypothetically here, TCU runs the table in the Big 12. They are the Big 12 Power 5 undefeated Big 12 champs. And let's also say Clemson runs through the ACC unscathed ACC Power 5 champ. You've got the four top uh, – uh, Four undefeateds. Four undefeateds, conference champ. Oregon wins it all, or USC doesn't really matter out there because they all have at least one loss. You're now putting in TCU and Clemson, which we've already talked about, who we think is down this year, over either Georgia oh, or Tennessee, Georgia. whoever loses that game, and then Michigan, Ohio State, whoever loses that game. That would piss me off, but that has to, it would have to happen, right? Can you make that argument, George? I mean, I, I, I see it the way you see it, Trevor. I mean, I think it'd be tough to – it'd be damn hard to, to come out there on national television and say an undefeated team that won their conference is not coming to the college football. Oh, they'd be squealing. Oh, man. They'd be – but it goes – they always they always turn and make the argument one of two things. What do your eyes tell you or what's their resume say? And that's what they always turn around and, and tell you. George, do you know what the room is split in the college football playoff committee? Like, where's that, where's that line? Is it 40-60 or 60-40 eyes to, to resume? or, or um, in, Do you know? Do you, do you no. have an idea? No, that, that'd, be a good, that'd be a good question. I wonder if we can get somebody. Uh, find that out. Yeah, to say it. Uh, that'd be interesting. Just let's go right off of what Trevor laid out. You're basically saying if the Big 12 front runner and the ACC front runner handle business and run their table, Clemson and TCU both show up undefeated. You'd have the loser of Michigan and Ohio State with a loss, and then potentially playing in the Rose Bowl, you're going to have two SEC teams with a loss. And all those losses were to another top five team. Can you really let's, say? Let's just hypothetically say that it's you want to say Georgia don't have or a Tennessee. loss. You want to say Georgia or Tennessee is the SEC champ in this so, scenario. Uh, say Georgia or Tennessee. Well, yeah, either or. I mean, one of them. One of them's going to be. All right. So just let, let's pick Georgia. Let's say Georgia, Georgia runs the yeah. table and Ohio State runs the table. What we've always and, – and I get in the argument a lot because a lot of times we're talking about Oklahoma in the Big 12, and so I, I kind of stick behind them. But now it's TCU, so I don't really care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go back to what we always talk about. You're telling me that if that scenario plays out, Georgia in, Ohio State in, Clemson in, TCU in. You're telling me that TCU is getting in over Michigan – Tennessee and Alabama. And our argument's always been, can they go and beat any of those teams? And I'm telling you right now, TCU goes to uh, Columbus. They're getting run out of the stadium. TCU goes to, uh, or excuse me, they, they were already in, to the big house. They get run out of the stadium. They go to Tennessee. They're going to get run out of the stadium. And they go to Alabama. They're going to get run out of the stadium. But they're undefeated Big 12 champ. champ. Yeah, that'd be that'd – be... Well, that goes then back you... to the question, like, who, like, what's the criteria? Right. And then Who's what are we judging? playing for? Yeah. What TCU go start the season for then? What do you tell their team room? Listen, yes, you guys got undefeated. Nice little job there for you. Or and you're a conference and... champ. But, you know, hey – I mean that'd be, that'd be. I don't know. I I, I'll I don't know how you this. could have that conversation. Knowing though, Trevor, you're right. They go zero and three against those three teams. But is it? They would turn and say, "Listen, we're only given our particular path and our our set of obstacles. And we knock them all out. We're not responsible for." But the other programs are like, "Yeah, we have our path, and we could go." off-road and get whoever else. I think that'd be – And, let's and table the other the- thing that consistently that we've always said on this show when we talk about the Final Four is who are the best four teams in the country? 
And up until this point, it's been okay because everybody gets blemished here and there. But in the scenario we're talking about, I really don't think that the best four teams would go to the playoff. No, they, field of 12, baby, our namesake. We got to expand this thing. How about that? I'm going to be all the way honest. I never Spend understood it. why we were called field of 12. And you have to explain it to people and all this other stuff. I'm like, look, in the future, perhaps, potentially, there's a chance that it could go to if they stay with it. Like, And then we went through all that stuff. Boom, field of 12. Look like geniuses. Like geniuses. Hey, Look let's table this. I'm going to come back to this. I just sent a text out to um, – we're going to go ahead and name drop him because we hope he comes back. Andy Staples, heck, I just sent that question to Andy Staples at Sports Illustrated. Yeah. How does the committee lean? Best four teams at the eyeball test or best four resumes? Let's touch fit base real quick, fellas. Two big games, two other big games with the heavyweights in them. Only one's a giant killer. Ohio State takes care of all kinds of business with Iowa, 54 to 10. Strange one, though, if you watched it in the first half, Iowa's defense was like, you know, we'll be damned if we go home giving up 80. They didn't give up 80. They only gave up 54, but they forced uh, the Buckeyes into like four field goals in the first half. C.J. Stroud and the offense can't get going. They do in the second, 54-10. And a nice little ball game down there in Baton Rouge. Ole Miss comes in, but they get beat 45-20 to LSU. Brian Kelly is starting to kind of tighten that deal up. We already gave a toast to Jaden Daniels. Uh, Ohio State, do we have a feel of who they are? And it's been many a person. Des was on. Desmond Howard is on the last one. Clint's consistently said it. Where's the big win? Where's the big win? Sometimes a bear is a bear. It don't matter if it's bobcats that keep coming at that bear and he keeps knocking these bobcats out, it's still a bear. Sometimes a bear is still a bear. That That's how I see Ohio State. Do you guys see the Buckeyes any differently just because we haven't seen them get pressed? No, I don't. I mean, I, I agree with you. A bear is a bear. I think Ohio State has earned that. Um, again, historically speaking, they've, 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 consistently strung together uh, a lot of success and um, to think that this team couldn't go travel like we were the same argument we're making for the college football playoff. Like I think you could take Ohio state, drop them in any sec conference and they're a contender right now, right now, if not, if not winning it right now. So, and, and rinse and re- rinse and repeat in any other conference in the country. So That's a good to point me, there. to That's me, like point. Ohio State's a damn good football team. Um, sure, they haven't played anybody, but that culture knows how to win big games. They've won big games in the past. They're going to have more opportunities to win bigger and bigger games here throughout the rest of the year. I, I, they're going to be prepared, and I, I ju- I've just seen it too many damn times. I've played against it. Like it's 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 a very very impressive thing when you see those guys come out and they flip that switch and it's like, all right, we're going to play. Um, They're tough to beat. And granted the teams I played may on the defensive side have been a little more talented than what this Ohio state team is. But um, your boy Knowles from Oklahoma state came in there and he's got them playing really He's got them playing better. I think they have much more of an identity than they had last year. And then offensively, like I said, I'm nowhere near worried about Ryan day. I'm not, when it comes to game planning, I put him toe to toe with anybody in the country. Trevor Knight, Ohio State, any program on any neutral site, it's even money or take the Buckeyes. Yes? Yeah, I'm taking the Buckeyes. That being said, you know, Hack made a great point that, yeah, they haven't played anybody yet. Two big dogs um, on their side of the conference are still yet ahead. This one coming up this week against Penn State and then obviously the big show at the end of the year against Michigan. Um but the confidence I have in C.J. Stroud as a leader and then Ryan Day, Hack, like you mentioned, they just have this culture of, hey, man, we are Ohio State. You're going to have to play your best, best football to be in the game with us because we set our standard. So I, I don't um, I, I don't see them having a, a whole lot of trouble. Not to go on a tangent, but you, the crazy thing with that is, is that's been passed down from three coaches. Yeah, it went from Trestle to Urban today. Yeah, how many other programs can say that? Where you've no. gone three stretches of coaches, where you're like, 
national contender year in, year out. And you at home just got schooled from Whitfield tonight to Hackenberg. Three football minds. That's it for us. Football uh, in its week eight college football after dark field of 12. We look forward to seeing you guys week nine next week. We'll be with you. Peace.